0: Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hello, this is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by Centralis Wine, as usual, and that's my winery. Centralis is a Los Angeles-based, ecologically focused winery dedicated to connecting you to local farming that improves the environment through wine. There's a lot that goes into that, um, from supporting viticulture that is regenerative, to using lightweight bottles and minimal packaging, to incorporating fruit that's native to our part of the world and grows without the need of added water or chemicals. You can buy our wines, join our email list, and learn more at centraliswine.com. That's C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-S-wine.com. C-E-N-T-R-A-L-A-S-wine.com. Quinn Hobbs, the founder and owner of Hollow Wines, is my guest for this episode. Quinn is based here in the Los Angeles area, but makes wine in the Central Coast. And I don't think it's inaccurate to call Quinn a maverick. He wants to build Hollow Wines to be the gallow of sustainable, environmentally positive wine and shake up the wine industry. He's going big and thinking big. Quinn takes a holistic perspective on what it means to farm responsibly, He wants to make it more acceptable to buy wine in cans to reduce wine's carbon footprint. And he's followed the lead of his own health to embrace natural, minimal intervention winemaking. In addition to being a disruptor of the wine world with big plans, he's a father. He's studying for a PhD, and he's never more than a short drive from the ocean so that he can get some surfing in with all his free time. That's a joke. Quinn has no free time, but he does love to surf. Enjoy. Quinn, thanks for joining. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you doing this. And uh, I just want to start. Let me, um, I just want to confirm. I want you to confirm something for me. So last year was your first year. Is that right? First year my, with my first Halloween. year. I double,
1: double harvested, only I started in January. And uh, I guess it would have been early February and went through March in uh, Perth, Australia, Perth Hills. Okay. And I was a seller rat there learning how to okay. make wine. And then. Uh, my first vintage on my own was uh, what, like seven months later in August.
0: <laughs> and and that's the okay. So and you you were making wine in Lompoc, right?
1: Last year I did. This year I made Let, it in Gilroy.
0: Right No, th- I'm talking last year. I, this so just I'm just establishing for your first out of the gate vintage. You you were making wine like two and a half hours from where you live. You crushed 27 tons in a facility that is has like a. A half ton crusher like a half ton press yeah if I um and you had a child under the age of three at the time I believe yeah she's uh, two and uh almost will yeah. be three in January and you you were working on your PhD already at that point
1: yeah still 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 working on it <laughs> still working on it. I
0: just want to establish for everybody listening that that I'm speaking with a madman yeah. and uh, that they should not try this at home no um, definitely not <laughs> How was that? I mean, like, were you exhausted with, I mean, how, like, just emotionally and physically, how, how did that go for you doing that? You probably even,
1: yeah. I mean, when you're you're crushing,
0: go ahead, sorry. No, 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 it's all good,
1: man. When you're crushing that much fruit, I mean, it's always tiring, you know, it's, but at the same time too, it's, it's very rewarding. But I think one thing that people don't, you know, for me, my whole life, I've been kind of pressured, like doctor, lawyer, CEO, right? That's always the joke. Cause like growing up in Palo Alto, it's like, you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, CEO, <laughs> um, and uh, but the problem is those three jobs, the exception of doctor, I guess. Um, you're uh, you're just not really physically and mentally stimulated, whereas winemaking mm. is like always all you know, mentally and physically stimulating at all times.
0: God, that's one of the things I love about it. Yep, sorry, what that's one of the things I love about it as well. Yeah, that, I mean, you the physical aspect, like, yeah, like and you're...
1: I and I, you know, so like, yeah, as much as like, <laughs> as much as I don't like, you know. Uh, getting stung by a wasp multiple times, um, you know, getting random infections because of you know all the stuff that's like you know all the wounds and all these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, the reality is is uh I freaking wouldn't have another wouldn't do another job in the world. So
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Well, why hollow wines? Why that name, hollow wines?
1: <laughs> Kind of it's, a double. I mean, it's supposed to be a double. It was originally supposed to be a triple entendre. <laughs> okay. But it's only a double entendre. So, you know, I was trying to find something that correlated to both wine and surfing. Okay. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, uh, a barrel is a, a great wave. A wine barrel yep. is where you store wine. Yep. Um, so I was just like, oh, cool. Uh, a hollow wave is a freaking awesome thing. And I looked and there's, you know, I think there's a couple different like hollows. There's a toad hollow, a smoky hollow, or I don't know, yeah. a couple different hollows of wines, but no, just hollow wines. And I was like, I like it. Short, simple, sweet. Um, yeah. And then our tasting room was supposed to be in hollow, smoky hollow El Segundo, but that fell through with everything that happened. Um, Got it. So it was supposed to be a triple Entendre. We, we reverted nice. back to the double Entendre. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love I mean I love the term hollow. I mean in the East Coast you see it a lot because you have these sort of wooded, you know, gorges that are called hollows that are, you know, lovely little nooks in the geography that are full of life and secrets and, you know, ghosts and mysteries and things like that. And I love that term because it's evo- it's so evocative of those kind of things. Um, but it can also, you know, I it's a it's one of those terms that can go either way. So I'm just curious where where you came from. But let me ask you another question. How long has it been since you just last got out of the ocean?
1: Uh, uh, minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so yeah, that I, I mean, I did my uh, work this morning. I, you know, I, I wake up early every day. Even even I'm not crushed, pad, I can't help it. Like I was actually impressed. I I overslept and I woke up at seven today. So like even on a day off, seven is like out, outrageous for me to wake up that late. Wow. Um, but cranked through some work and then I was like, all right, time to go surf. And then. Come back and do this, and get back to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this year is different than last year. You you've almost doubled your production, uh, but you're in a new space. That's it sounds like a much better facility. You want you want to talk about where where you are where you are and where you're getting yeah, your trips from? And... For my needs,
1: for sure. I mean, look, I don't like to bad mouth any facility. Like my old facility was great for you know garage. You know, I call it garages plus. You know, like they're doing yeah. good stuff for people looking to scale from their, you know, their garage side project kind of thing. Uh, right. But a half ton press is uh, not going to cut it for someone doing, you know, 27 plus tons. Uh, our new facility, uh, granted, it's, like I said, it's even though we have, you know, massive distemmers, we have two presses, one that does two tons whole cluster. The other one does about four tons whole cluster. So, you know, we've been crushing six tons whole cluster at a time. Nice. Yeah. But the reality is... Uh, between all the, you know, I think there's 10 wineries and five winemakers there. A couple are doing like, uh, I think one winery does like four labels because um, it's a custom crush slash co-op there. Um, nice. So I think the whole, fa- I mean, I don't know what the total number is, the whole facility, but I mean, between me and Wonderwork, the other cool guys, we did 80, um, but there are days where we got 60, 70 tons in in a day. So, you wow. know, we'd be on the crush pad trying to help process you know it's it's cool because it's a cool community there. like uh very helpful people you know we had a work trade punch down schedule with me and a couple other guys so we'd swap punch downs and i was very far behind as of like a weekend and a half ago and i was like i guarantee you i'll catch back up and they're like no 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 we don't have that much fruit coming in and i'm like you guys are delusional and one weekend i think i had to do like like i think 60 punch downs for them And they're like, oh, man, I guess, yeah, you did catch up. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing is they forgot they had like fruit coming in and all these things. So I was sitting there doing all these things by myself when I'm sitting there trying to get out of the winery, like just trying to be done.
0: That's amazing. Why did you do this? I mean, this was not your first, you know, industry that you got involved in in terms of a career. Why did you switch to wine?
1: Uh, I still ask myself that question every day. And I wonder, uh, because you don't do it to get rich. That's definitely not one thing that's ever. uh, Don't plan on getting rich, making wine. Um, Yeah. The other thing is, is you don't plan on, uh, you know, having free time or, you know, chilling, hanging. That's not really that either. Um, But the reality is, is, you know, like uh, my PhD is actually in leadership and change. And uh, one thing that I was, you know, kind of as I watch, you know, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on, you know, individuals to make changes for, you know, for making the environment a better place. And I was like, well, this is not always the case for, it's not always easy for people who don't have the financial means to make decisions that are more environmentally friendly, right? Like when we got our new car, we got an electric car because Mm -hmm. we had the ability to afford that, right? But that's not available to everybody. That's right. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, then I looked in the wine space and I was like, man, there's really not anybody in wine, you know, with the exception of guys like you and me, but no one really kind of, no one's really kind of done it on the scale that, you know, that, you know, like, uh, Constellation or Gallo or any of these big, massive guys are doing.
0: Right, right. And
1: so, you know, I really wanted to show that, Hey, this is, you know, you can be a sustainable and ethical winery and be at scale and, uh you know, create products that people enjoy. And so that's, that's my long-term goal. So That's why I do it. I don't know if, uh, if my mission's come through yet, you know, if succeeded.
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're second vintage. It's like, I mean, there's so many things, ways that you have to find your way in the first, you know, few years. And I mean, I, the only example that I can think of that comes to mind is somebody like Bunterra who has, you know, affordable under $20, you know, the Fetzer group, um, brand there, uh, you know for that you can find in a grocery store but that's essentially what you're trying to do with with some variety i mean they they pretty much have the standard things but you're doing a lot of um much more interesting wines i would say than that uh yeah and, and that another fair? thing too that's
1: different is i i you know they like for Bonterra, it's right it's like it's Fetzer's group they're like oh cool we're gonna have this little side project where we do good wines it's right. like, well, why isn't Fetzer doing the whole thing that way? Like, why aren't, why yeah. can't they just be their whole business ethical, right? Like right. And sustainable. It's like, that's why I get frustrated is like, look, I, you know, I actually have, um, uh, you know, I got my PhD in that and I have actually um, like a credit away, I got to say one more class uh, for my MBA program. And I have my, um, Pepperdine is a really cool program called the social, it's the SEER program. And it's started by the uh, co-founder of Patagonia. And, uh, it's basically all about being sustainable and environmentally friendly, um, yeah. Uh, business practices. Um, you know, but, so it's like, that's, it's pretty simple, you know, it's yeah. like, like it, it should be a big thing. It should be everybody, not just, you know, Patagonia um, yeah. and, you know, Bonterra. over, you know, we've got one line that's doing it right. No, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take much for everybody to do it. Right. You know,
0: it really doesn't, especially in California when it comes to grapes. You know, I mean, the, the climate is perfect. The, yeah. I mean, the The pressures are much lower than, say, like New York, where there's a wine industry, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and even then, like, you know, even with those guys, like, there's so much. Um, it's like, look, it's tough because, you know, there's this big pressure to be organic 100% of the time. And to me, to like throw away grapes that you've already put in so much energy and effort and farming and labor and stuff like that, like to let those go to waste because you didn't use a spray that might be, you know, as long as it's not harmful to the environment, you know, if it's an yeah. organic spray, but it doesn't harm the environment in any way, then, you know, why, what's what's the problem with using that? You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it just,
0: uh, right. I mean, it just takes a lot of knowledge and, and then there you have the communication F, uh, issue with the consumer everything like that which is a whole other side of the problem but um yeah i i agree i mean there's a there the way i've started to think about it and the term that i've started to use much more is like an ecological perspective on making the world better through wine you know or, or at least you know doing no harm um because great you could be organic but you could be you know creating a massive carbon footprint or you could be organic, but you're wasting a ton of grapes like you were talking about. Um, Whereas you could actually lower your footprint by maybe using one little spray or, you know, something like that. And, and it protects this huge investment of time and labor and resources and, you know, carbon investment uh, into a vineyard. And then you have, you can make grape from it, but you could not get certified as organic you might be doing a better thing for the planet that way
1: yeah. um you know but- you're 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 spot on man it's really trippy how um like uh you know you, people get really hung up on you know like you know making sure they're doing all these red sprays and stuff like that and like there's something there's, there's farms of there's forms of um organic farming that are like actually probably more detrimental to the environment because of how much they're, t- they're tilling the soil they're you running tractors all the time right and that's just pushing so much carbon into the atmosphere you know? yeah yeah so
0: well you end- it's tough man yeah <laughs> it's like a
1: it's like <laughs> mental gymnastics all the time and i and i sit there and i just get beat myself up because like i make a decision here or i make a decision there and i think that it's the right decision but it's not you know i'm like was that really the right decision i don't know you know and it's really it's really emotionally stressful for I think people like me and you who yeah. are constantly just trying to do things better.
0: Yeah, it is because I, I mean you're you're pulled in so many directions. On the one hand, you know consumers don't have the time or or desire to even read ingredients for the most part at this point in history, and and you're supposed to communicate like all of this thought and all this effort and all this emotional stress that you're talking about that you that went into the decisions behind the product that you're trying to sell to that consumer and they're like eh, cool you know like it's like the amount of uh mental energy that they're willing to give to the thing that they you know to and and and, and i mean yeah, that's that's really one of the things that i want to underline repeatedly with with and why i do this podcast is just to remind consumers of the power that we have, you know, with our daily choices and, and how thoughtful or thoughtless we are with them in terms of what we consume and how those things were cre- created and crafted and where they came from. Um, and, and if you're, if you're putting the burden on a producer to, to come up with a, you know, like a bumper sticker explanation for their process, like all the decisions that you're talking about, you're doing them a disservice. I mean, it takes work on both sides. Like if, if we're, if, we producers are going to sweat over it. Consumers should be thoughtful about it as well. You know, I mean, it's, it is, there is a burden if we want, I mean, you know, unless we don't care, unless we want to just burn this world down, you know, then fine. Let's burn it down uh, thoughtlessly uh, and then reap that. But otherwise I I do think there is a a lot of responsibility on both sides and, and not just on the producer side to try to like shoehorn all of this thought and and energy into a a simple explanation, a little bumper sticker slogan on a like sustainable, you know, uh, even one word organic, you know, it's not that easy. Any thoughts about how we, how we communicate that or how we do better at communicating that?
1: Oh man. man. It's, uh, it's, it's tough because I know that the consumers want to be, you know, thinking about those things and they are thinking about those things. Yeah. But, um, I also, I don't always want the onus to be on the consumer.
0: No, yeah. no, I don't either. Yeah. No, I, like, that, like you said. Should be, yeah.
1: yeah. I think, and I think people like us should be getting like active tax credits and, and well, I mean like even like bonuses, like in grants and stuff like that. Like there should be more money being made available to people like us trying to make the right decisions. Um, you know, and I I I'd say the one place where consumers should make it, should start to be more flexible and start thinking, is not scoff at a twenty dollars can of wine, yeah, because that is the direction I am heading with everything that's going on with glass. The you weight know, of first it. first, it was yeah, you know, the carbon footprint of it is insane, right? Yeah, and you know, and I, I get it. It's not. It's a beautiful vessel, and a can is not a sexy way to open a, a glass of wine. But what people don't realize is like the uh, the difference between. You know, people look at a can like, "Why should I pay twenty dollars for a can?" I'm like, "Well, would you pay forty for a bottle?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course I pay forty for a bottle." It's like, "Well, that's twenty for a can. That's it's half a bottle. It's exactly half a bottle." Yeah. So it's like, what's the what's the what's the math issue here? It's you're paying for the juice, right? If you believe that this wine is better, feel comfortable paying twenty for a can. Yeah. But that's that's the hard part that I think is going to be it's going to take consumers a long time to get to that point. And I think that's the one place where I really want to see consumers start to change their attitude and their opinion. Um, and, uh, because I, you know, I'm, and I, again, like I'm not even blaming consumers. It's also on me. I need to start thinking that way, you know, but yeah. I, I've, I've, I've started doing that. You know, I was part of, uh, when, um, Tyler at, uh, field record and start in his canned wine club. I was like one of the first guys to sign up. I was like, this is a rad idea. I'm all on board. Um, and I was a member there, but I actually heard that he's scaling that down, which, you know, I heard he might even shut it down. I don't know if that's just hearsay, but,
0: um, Oh, that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. I was going to, I mean, that contradicts what I was just going to say, which is, you know, it seems like the current trends, uh, of natural wine and things like that have given rise to and permission to, and more acceptance of, these kind of alternative packages as well as alternative wines that might be, you know, better for the carbon footprint of wine in general, and just expose, you know, open up the world of wine to some, some new stuff. Um, but maybe that's not true. Have you, I mean, w- we can talk a little bit about that <laughs> if you'd like.
1: I mean, I think people are okay with it. If they're out, I think, I think there's still the price point issue, right? I think people still think i I think people may not be apprehensive to maybe a twelve dollar can, but I think a twenty dollar can would still throw people off.
0: Right, right. Like they don't you think know, of it as fine I, wine if it's in a I can. I think
1: yeah, and I think that they're still going to think like, okay, yeah, I'm willing to pay ten over six for a can. I I even wonder if twelve is too high. But the reality is like my rose is twenty four a bottle. I can't really get much cheaper than that. Right. And, uh, I mean, you know, all the cogs that go into winemaking, yeah. I don't, you know, making a $24 bottle of wine is like, people think I'm getting rich off that. I am not getting rich off that at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, it's,
0: it, 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 does, it, it's important to say like how many people really are involved in that process? Like how many people are fed, how many families and, you know, everything make a, a you know, make their lives off of that 24 bucks. I mean, there's so many people in that chain.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and I sell wholesale. I rarely sell. Yeah, through myself.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, and that means so, you know you cut know. that in
1: half at least
0: or more. You know. Yeah,
1: about half. Yeah. Um, um. So
0: yeah, yeah, that's true. Now you, uh, I don't, I don't know if out of the gate you you got attention as a natural wine person or if you started in that position by your own choosing. Um. But you, it sounds like you've kind of been through a little bit of a uh I don't know, an evolution in your thinking about natural wine. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh I actually it's funny because I um I think if you talked to me five years ago, I would have scoffed at natural wine and I was like very kind of in the uh realm of big bad, you know, Borgos and Paso Reds and Napa. I didn't really wasn't ever really a Napa guy. I just always thought you were paying for uh, status and stuff. there. Yeah. I just kind of saw through it, but I love Paso and I love some of these big stuff coming out of San Andes Valley. And, uh, and then I actually had a bit of a health crisis, uh, in 2019 and, um, had to stop drinking for a while. And I was quite overweight. I was close to 300 pounds. I'm about two, two ten now, two Oh five now bounce back and forth, depending upon what time of harvest we're in.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Um, so I lost, you know, almost, I was actually 285. So I lost about 80 pounds. Um,
0: yeah, I would never. And my daughter had just
1: been bored. Yeah, and I just, I was just like, I was like, I need to make some lifestyle changes. And uh, in that process, I was, I go to drink these, you know, and, and I finally, when I started being able to drink again, because I was having real big problems with my liver and my kidneys and my spleen and all these things. And uh, I was trying to figure out, you know, I was like, man, I really want to drink wine, but it, like I would just feel immediately sick and my liver, like I would just feel my spleen and liver hurt. And, uh, so I basically was kind of like stumbling around and, um, discovered, uh, the fact that like natural wines actually didn't bother me. And I was like, they didn't necessarily, you know I mean? Like, like you drink too much of anything. I always, people always get like, oh, natural wines, you don't get hangovers. Like, no, you can definitely get hungover. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. We've <laughs> all been there. Um, <laughs> But there's other things, you know, and I still don't know what I can associate them to. I'm still trying to figure out what it is. I know actually I have actually kind of uh, wines that are overly oaked. I'll, I'm sneezing all day the next day and mm. I'm pretty allergic to oak, you know, as a tree pollen. So I'm just kind of maybe like, oh, you know, I think, I think I've always been allergic to oak wine. That's overly wines. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. So um, And actually the funny thing is when I was doing, when I finally had my first new barrel, you know, I bought a bunch of new barrels last year thinking that that's the thing you had to do. Right. And, uh, I was, uh, taking barrel samples from him, and I immediately just start feeling my throat kind of get tickly and itchy and scratchy. Wild. And like,
0: Man. That is wild. I, like,
1: oh, I think I'm, I, was like, I'm, I was like, I'm definitely allergic to new oak. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm actually trying to phase oak out a hundred percent. I think in the next three, two years, I'll be a hundred percent in, uh, concrete amphora, stainless and polyethylene. Right. on. So, huh. Yeah. I'm a big flex tank guy. I promote, I just love flex tanks.
0: You know, it's funny. You're, you're not the first person that said that to me recently. Like, I, I know somebody who was just like, I am so over oak, I'm so over
1: barrels, like the cleaning, the weight is like flex tanks is the it's, way to go. And they, they're amazing. The wine that comes out of them, it's, and it's just scary, right? Because people are just super anti-plastic. Right. Um, but these are not like just shitty plastic tanks these are like they're very expensive they're fifteen hundred dollars each like they're not cheap
0: yeah um, they're meant to be micro oxygenating like like a barrel like exactly. they breathe very slowly at, at like a controlled bpa
1: free yeah. yeah they don't have any of the toxic chemicals that are found and that are associated to cancer and you know in plastics um, they do microox exactly they can there's two different levels they have different levels of microoxing and, uh, I find that actually malolactic fermentations go through smoother with less trouble. And I do all natural mallows. I don't do anything, nothing inoculated. You know. Yeah, nothing inoculated. Um, I mean, I might inoculate another wine with another wine, right? Like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes, I mean, I think I've had, I think this year I did that with one wine, um, where I just took uh, I was like, well, this one is going on day nine without having dropped a brick. And this one I brought in yesterday and is down five. So the <laughs> native yeast on this one are very healthy. Right. So let's just take a half a cup here, dump it in this. You know. Yeah. And was crazy is I dumped it into a seven hundred gallon vessel. Like, a half a cup, like literally. Two, like four ounces is all it took. Four ounces and a pump over, and that thing was raging. Wow. So it was just a matter of they just were asleep, you know, they just needed to be woken up. So, you know, there's no way that just four ounces of yeast was the, the do all. It was just that the other least were kind of, they just probably passed out from being in a stainless tank and the temperature, you know, this, our weather has been so weird, the temp probably just dropped. So that, you know,
0: Yeah, I was gonna, I, I mean, I wanted to ask about that. Like, what is this? You know, I haven't really I got I, we got all of our grapes this year from below Santa Barbara. So what's what's the weather been like in the Central Coast?
1: Well, that's the crazy thing is I like I I don't think people realize how dynamic um the Central Coast as an AVA is. Yeah. I think it's it's Yeah. It for one, it's massive. Right. People don't realize Central Coast is basically I think it includes uh the AVA above uh, Ojai. I think it goes as far as Ojai,
0: yeah, probably
1: all the way up to uh, Bay, right? Contra Costa, yeah, yeah. Contra Costa is actually part of Central Coast. AVA. Wow, yeah, so you're looking at Santa Cruz, is in there, right?
0: The Santa Cruz, then part of it,
1: you know, what's really funny, I think Santa Cruz AVA and I was reading yesterday. I might be in trouble for doing this, but I didn't. I didn't know this, but for some reason they've excluded themselves from the Central Coast AVA. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, makes sense.
1: I mean, they, but I mean, Santa Cruz is like as Central Coast as like I can think of. You know, that's like to me, that's where I grew up surfing, and we always considered ourselves Central Coast. But, um, you know, yeah, but there, but it's you know, it's a massive AVA. So you have you know, and I buy fruit as far north as you know. We bought fruit from. Tahima County, which is, you know, uh, up near Redding. Red oh, wow. So that's, I bought it. Yeah. I bought fruit from a vineyard in Bluff. Really cool regenerative, uh, property out there. What kind of grapes? Um, regenerative organic, um, doing really cool stuff. Uh, again, I can't say that he's like the most, like, you know, he's, he's raising cattle. So that's, you know, not the best thing, but he's at least using cattle to help, um, you know, reef, you know, he's using their fertilizers and stuff like that to, uh, uh, dump back into the vineyard and so forth to do natural fertilizers. And then he's like got a nursery. So he's growing all kinds of crazy varietals up there.
0: Well, they, they say it's not the cow, it's the how, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it depends on how you're raising cattle. It can be actually really beneficial to the world. Um, in fact, it could be. Yeah. He's he's small
1: scale, you know, it's not yeah. like he's great, like, you know, doing like, you know, the uh, I-5 uh, right
0: units yeah. with,
1: you know, 60,000 cattle right um no he's, he's got like you know maybe a half you know and that, and actually the funny thing is uh, last year i had a relationship with a, a cattle rancher in Lumpok where you know i was sitting there trying to figure out where to dump my grape skins and you know all the wineries are like we have too much you can't take it and the the uh the dump was like no we don't want them anymore we won't take them anymore they, you guys have dropped off too much <laughs> so i was like well where am i gonna put grape skins like i have 25 tons of grape skins I got to get rid of. And uh, luckily I was able to uh, find a cattle rancher who's like, he's like, yeah, just dry them out and then feed them to my cows. So there's no alcohol in them. Right. And dude, the cows would see my van. They'd see me pulling up my van and they'd just come charging. Cause it's like <laughs> candy to these guys.
0: You know, pigs like it with the alcohol still in it. If you find a pig farm, yeah. you don't have to worry about drying Ca- it out. Uh,
1: yeah. Pigs, you can give it to them with the alcohol in it. The pig, the cows don't have, oh, uh, you can kill them with the alcohol you can kill it. yeah yeah so apparently one year uh, uh that the rancher is like just make sure you dry it out because apparently one year uh he is also a winemaker his uh brother who's also a winemaker all three of them uh all three of us uh didn't dry him out all the way and all of it got eaten by one cow um, and so that cow uh he luckily the cow survived but uh was not a happy cow. <laughs> <should say that. laughs> He was happy and then he became very sad cow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> super happy then super sad. It sounds like my roller coaster yeah. if I over and overindulge. Yeah. Um <laughs> you're getting grapes from uh from uh San Benito County as well. Central, that's the majority California. of my fruit. Yeah.
1: yeah, which is which is like my super favorite like AVA. Well, they, they, I get so I get from three different vineyards. Um,
0: Are they all stiletto owned? No, okay.
1: no. Um so I mean I get from sorry, that's like well, if you count that Sledo has three vineyards, I get it from like, well, Sledo has a, a ton of vineyards. Yeah, like five. I get it yeah. from like yeah, yeah. So I think it's yeah, from all the different Sledo vineyards. So I think that's like four or five. Um, but I get it from his Pice. I love his Piscenis from his Piscinus vineyard down there at the end of Sienega Road, I get my cab franc. Okay. And then um I get uh Chardonnay from Sienega from the DeRose Vineyard, which he's now I've uh Strong harmed him into um, doing um, dry farm. He's always been dry farm, but he's now doing full organic, which is amazing.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm actually, where him and I are looking into these like um, new tractors with the uh, laser tech for spraying. So basically he's going to be able to remove like all spraying as well and be carbon neutral because he's all solar. Uh, they don't use like any air conditioning. They just pump in the cold air at night. That guy's doing all kinds of cool stuff for the environment. Um, all organic um, nitrogen that he, you know, gets from grape stems and seeds and tills them back in and so forth.
0: Just uh, compost.
1: Just composting like crazy. Nice. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so that get Chardonnay there. And then from, um, you know, all, and then from on the other side and trace Pinos, you know, a bunch of food over there and trace Pinos is a trip, man, because, you know, it's just all these places are, you know, the there's two fault lines. So, Cienega Road, it basically follows the, um, the famous, uh, what's the San famous Andreas. fault line? San Andreas. Yeah. Yep. And then Trace Pinos follows the Calaveras fault line, which is not as well known, but also another major fault line. Right. Um, and so you just get these like incredible soil structures and just these crevasses and alleys going through the vineyards that just create these massive temperature swings. Like I'll be standing, you'd be standing on one part of you know saletto's vineyard and it's like 85 90 bridging on 95 and then basically like down the hill across the creek you know not even quarter mile away it's like 75 yeah 20 degree temperature wow
0: that's a lot like uh montebello ridges vineyard it's literally it's on san andreas you know on that fault line and the uprising there and and you've got that those crazy temperature differentials like you, you're up there and it might be really hot and you drop down the hill and it drops 20 degrees yeah so that's interesting i mean just i'm throwing that out there to you know there's a definite um probably price difference from being in santa cruz versus where you are in terms of per ton cost but which might but you might be getting the same kind of quality you might be getting some t- similar to in the soil i mean
1: geology, for me the for what i'm getting out of you know out of these places i just i i don't think it's any i mean i i'm just i'm just astounded by how amazing the wines are this year and just the acid levels are amazing um you know i very little va pickup on any of my wines Uh, everything is just just so clean and crisp and fresh and and I'm sitting there and, you know, I've, I've always kind of scoffed at the idea of being a zero zero winemaker. I just think, it, you know, I just thought, I was like, you know, my two vintages, I was like, oh, I just don't think it's possible because there's too many things going on. Yeah. I'm sitting there looking at my wines and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't need to add sulfur. Like I'm looking at the molecular SO2 charts. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to. These like acids are like three, one, three, two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like freaking like there's like zero VA, like less than 0.2. And I was just like, I, well, "What am I? What am I doing? What do I need to add sulfur for? When these wines are coming out so clean?" Yeah, yeah. You know, my Pinot, we brought in twenty six bricks, which, well, it actually wasn't supposed to even bring in Pinot, but um, Again, like a, kind of like a, a late harvest custom crush situation. Yeah. yeah, it was a custom crush situation where they're like, the guy's like, "Okay, uh, this guy needs you to make Pinot for him," and uh, yeah, so I was like, "Okay, fine." So it's not even really going to go into my lineup. Right. Um, But uh, it uh, ended up being, you know, I got, uh, he brought it at 26 and a half bricks and the pH was, you know, three, three.
0: Wow. That's insane.
1: And I was like, I was like, this is textbook, man. This is freaking textbook wine. Like, how do you make like, you know, like 26 bricks though? How do you get 26 bricks and the phenolics were just outrageous? Yeah. That's like 15
0: plus percent alcohol with a
1: pH super low.
0: That's insane.
1: I have a, last year I picked from Eden Rift and this wasn't intentional at all. From their Terrace's Vineyard, right on top of a limestone vein, we picked at close to 30 bricks, finished at 16.67 alcohol and 3.7 pH post-mallow, all native, nothing. And people are like, oh, native yeast can't produce 16% alcohol. And I was like, I don't think cultured yeast can produce 16% alcohol. (laughs) Like, I, I don't think, like, I think native yeast are way stronger nowadays. That's amazing. But, yeah. I mean, I'm not after those type of wines anymore. Those, those were never, you know, you get these high alcohol ones. I'm, I'm shooting for like 10 and 12% max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but, you know, you never know, man. Sometimes things just don't, do not line up. Well, that, and that would explain your <laughs> right.
0: really low pHs, is 3.1, 3.2. I mean, those are some like, yeah. you know, pretty searing acidity like perceptions, right? You're, I mean, Oh, I love it. Okay. <laughs> That's when I wrap it. All right.
1: Um, um, all right. When do you add sulfur if you do? Uh, we add at bottling. And uh, the only thing I did SO2 is actually our piquette. Okay. Uh, but if you don't, SO, I don't know if you made piquette oh, yeah. before, but if There's you don't, the, it's
0: too low alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah, it's not enough alcohol. I've had a whole it. batch of piquette turned to
1: sherry like overnight, basically, because I didn't add. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's just, it's not a, uh, a question of uh, should you? It's a question of when, sh- like, how soon should <laughs> right, you Right, <laughs> Right. So you don't add any at no.
0: crush then? You just crush and let, let. No, yeah, we don't crush.
1: I, you know, I was thinking about it too because I've heard so many people doing it, adding a crush and then it'll blow off and all these things. And uh, I did with uh, a little bit of Arpino last year as a test. And uh, I just was like, you know, man, everything is so clean. We have like, you know, just these immaculate clusters. There's no, rot of any sort there's no black molds nothing so i'm like yeah i think it's time to just uh just let nature do its work yeah you know? and and you don't have a problem with the uh. va
0: during that time generally no
1: man not, nothing took off man it's just very just like i said just man nice just and a clean, clean. year well wow. yeah. do you look for a- we do a lot of ferments in um flex tank like all my i did a lot of carbonic wine this year and we did those all in flex tanks and those flex tanks are so easy to clean right you know, little bit of water to clean them, you know, and, um, and that's what I really like about them. Low water usage, and, yeah. Uh, just low water usage, you know, and that's, that's something I can track and keep an eye yeah. on. And so that's really kind of, you know, being a surfer, like, I, I'm like, this is what I'm going to make my mission is just figuring out how to reduce my water consumption, because it's something that, you know, carbon footprint is hard to measure when you're in a co-op, right? But water usage, I can pay attention yeah. to, you know, I can really be on top of, you know, like, all right, grab one bucket. We're gonna use one bucket to clean this, you know. Um, and so that's just kind of my uh, my go to is just being really on top of. Yeah, that.
0: they often say like seven bottles of yeah you know, water for every bottle of wine or something like that is a
1: and maybe even more than that, ten bottles of water for a bottle of wine. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's astounding. Yeah, it's like I think it's yeah ten gallons or something like that for every one gallon of yeah, wine. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just a—it's an interesting time. What, what what are you caring about? Like, what's motivating you in terms of your decision making around these things?
1: Uh, I mean, dude, it's just the if if I had one reason for why I think about the environment, it's like I feel like that would be a selfish reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it should just be on everybody's mind, right? I think if everybody was thinking, you know, about doing better, just doing one thing better a day, then we'd have a massive increase in, you know, and just positivity and in the world becoming safer, cleaner healthier place. Yeah. Um, you know, and like not everybody can reduce their carbon footprint, but you can uh, turn your lights off. Every, you know, every time you walk out of a room, you can uh, wait to run your dishwasher until that thing is jam packed. You can, you know, walk to get your cup of coffee in the morning as opposed to driving three blocks <laughs> you know, it's like if everybody did something like that once a day, I think there'd be a massive impact, you know, and it's, that's why I always think of from a corporate perspective, you know, you sit here and you learn about how, you know, like all these sea constructs and sea containers flying all over or, you know, boating all over the world, are producing more sulfur in the air than all the cars, 20 ships produce more sulfur in the air than all the cars in the world combined. You know, it's like, it's outstanding to think that, right? You're like, what the hell, really? Like, it's only 20 ships to like a billion cars. How does that make sense? But that's the thing. It's like, yeah, these big corporations just get away with bloody murder. Yeah, And so that's why I always think of it from that perspective. So that's why, that's my motivation is, okay, how do I show that my business can be successful and you know, hopefully become successful at some point? Yeah, <laughs> But, um, you know, that we can be, uh, you know, you can do things the right way, make great wine and, and not be you know blasting the planet at the same yeah way. well
0: i do think packaging the way that you've been thinking about packaging is really important i mean you think about have you ever done a beach cleanup day or
1: uh yeah i mean i do it by myself i need to do it with yeah. the team get, get a hollow wines day dude but i do it all the time yeah. i mean i i kind of have a self-rule it's like when i go surfing i try to pick up you know it's more always leave more than you like yeah. game with. you know it's the whole rule
0: yeah I, yeah i've done so. a couple with those with uh heal the bay and play, things like that Oh, yeah. The great. And they're, yeah. um, I mean, it's like you're there and you you just see what people consume. Like you, when you're cleaning up, it's like the same stuff over and over again. It's all these little bottle caps and bottles, you know, the seals and things like that. It's these little tiny pieces of plastic that people just toss away on the day, you know, throughout their day because they're eating or drinking something that has this little packaging plastic thing that seals it. And it's true you know what you were saying i I mean it made me think i was thinking the same thoughts it's like how much easier would it be for coke to just change their packaging so that those things didn't exist than it would be to ask you know the 500 billion people that drink coke (laughs) to stop throwing their stuff in the you know like to you know to make sure that they put that in the right container and that it gets into a trash can you know i mean it's like all Coke has to do is just change their packaging. And then those consumers don't even have a choice of not throwing that stuff away. Uh, they just don't have. Yeah. So simple. Yep.
1: It's, it's, it's sadly simple and it's just, people don't think about that stuff. You know, they're not, you know, this, you know, it's tough because it should be, it should be automatic, but it's not.
0: Well, so. do you want, why don't you talk about some of the, the wines that you're making this year? I know that they have some great, interesting uh, varieties that stiletto and maybe i don't you know maybe there's other stuff that you're doing that i don't know about i mean you already mentioned chardonnay but what, what else are you doing
1: oh yeah uh i mean i'm doing i think the coolest thing that's exciting that gets people geeked out is um i uh i'm making um a lot of hybrids with fruits um so i'm working with um a couple of berry farmers in um watsonville okay. Who basically have these berries that they basically as they're packing containers if a berry has any amount of juice on it they can't put it into a container to Uh, sell so literally these berries are thrown away but they can be fermented and turned into wine and not affect the consumer you know it's like it's a totally normal berry they're organic they're 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 not uh some of them are organic some of them aren't organic um but But uh non organic ones are even they're Yeah. They're just going to the dumpster and they're not organic ones are not spray. For me, like one thing, not everybody's certified organic. I wish everybody could be certified organic, but look, the reality is look, it's not, not a, you know, it's not possible to be for everybody to be that way, especially in Watsonville where it's super moisture, you know, but for me, there's some like big, no, no red flags on sprays. So it's like no roundup, you know, none of that crap, um, nothing that's going back into the water system and damaging, you know, the water table.
0: How are you monitoring and confirming practices, farming practices?
1: Uh, I mean, look, you have to have trust with these farmers, right? But at the same time, too, it's not hard to go snooping. It's not, yeah. <laughs> so I just snoop around. I just snoop around, man. I mean, it's like I, there's, I was really ashamed because one guy – I and you know, to think there are people who there, I know there are very famous farmers who people believe to be organic. And dude, I walked into that place and I'm astounded at the shit that I saw lined up on the walls. And look, there's no reason that if you're not spraying, if you don't spray those things, why have them? Right? <laughs> yeah, if they have so them, them like, they're spraying. Me, I don't trust. So I immediately lost yeah, trust. Of
0: course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Should. So I was just like, no, I was like, "Sorry, man, I won't be buying fruit from you." And people were, and the guy was like, "What? But I'm the best fruit guy in this town." And blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, um, it's just not gonna work. You know, it's just not gonna work for me as much as I want it to be. Yeah. You know, it's just it's not gonna happen."
0: Yep. Do have you che- so, have you looked into yeah. pesticide use reports for growers?
1: Uh, I have for some, but okay. not for all. Uh, yeah, I need to do a better job at like. You know, I mean, I just I have, like I, I buy for so few growers now. I have really like a really yeah. tight relationship with them, and I know like look, these guys aren't gonna screw
0: yeah. you over. And like, Soleto's now I certified, believe. right?
1: Uh, he's uh, he's he's. I think he'll be some it's kind of like tick, trickering down. Like I think you know certain. Oh, they have it
0: on their. I'm not sure they, they have it on their is. website, which suggests to me that they are.
1: Yeah, not all of his properties are okay. fully certified yet. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, but even then I'm not going to take the time to go get certified man. I, just, I don't, you know, it's it's too costly and such so for me. I don't think it adds any value. It adds value I think from a farming perspective for me buying from a farmer, but for me selling to my consumers. um, um yeah, so like that's that's the thing there.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. They only have like certified sustainable. Um yeah, what what is the what is the uh why? Why is that not the case with the consumers?
1: I yeah, I don't know, man. Like I hear, I hear different things. Like I've talked to distributors, and they're just like, I don't care if it's certified or not. I'm like, okay, huh. you know. And I, and I think sometimes it actually cheapens the wine for some reason, because <laughs> you think about it, like only huge corporations are fully certified organic wine producers, right? Are you certified or? Not? I mean,
0: so uh, we 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 get grapes from certified vineyards, but like as a winery, you have to. To be able to say like your wine is organic like you have to certify your winery and the vineyards and we're yeah. in a shared facility just like you and so it's not like you'd have to get everybody there including the landlord to be on board with it which you know uh if i had my own place i probably wouldn't certify the winery because it, well i don't know it depends maybe i would i, I don't know how i i maybe i would because i do kind of want to say like the truth is our wine is made with organic grapes. Like most of the time or biodynamic or a vineyard that we have verified, you know, um, in various ways, you know, the same things that we've been talking about, like trusting, verifying with your eyes, looking at pesticide use reports, you know, doing all the due diligence that's possible. And then you just, you know, the rest is faith, which it is, even if you have certification. Um, and, yeah, so I I think it's you know we can list like ingredients you know organic grapes, but we can't say made with organic grapes simply because the winery also isn't uh, certified. And I think it would be nice to be able to say made with organic grapes on the label potentially, um, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I it might you know it all depends on where we go. Like I, I think we're small enough that I think you know the people that are buying from us get to know us in a way. Like I, I it, my my dream originally was to be sort of like you and, you know, sort of expand and become that like uh you know, like Bontera, but we're in the whole business is Bonterra instead of it just being a, a branch of the business, you know, but like basically organic wine for for the people kind of thing. Um, under twenty dollars, that those kind of things. But um I don't know. We've just kind of revised what we're we're planning. I don't think we're gonna get that big and trying to take a more craft approach and micro actually like go the other direction do like micro production of really sort of uh, unavailable t- in any other way wines uh.
1: <laughs> I think it's a more sane <laughs> way man I think uh I think I've, too, I've dug I've dug too deep into my my current path of insanity but I would say that you're probably a, a saner. You
0: know, <laughs> well I don't know it's yeah I, I mean definitely it's Driven by necessity in a lot of ways, not not necessarily like strategy. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but no, it is. It's like yeah, I, I, I in a way, it just suits my personality in a lot of ways too. Because I'm not I, like you. You clearly have tons of energy to burn, and uh, I also got to say, you know, some nice things about you. Very generous. You've been great with just uh, you know, in in the short time that we've known each other, just being super generous with your information and connections and time. Uh, all, all wonderful things, all great qualities. Um, so I, I, I appreciate you. Do you want to talk about? Uh, you. So you're, you're making some coferments. We started talking a little bit about that. Uh, oh yeah. Do you want to talk about any more of your wines, or uh, you know, any specifics, or what you know, where oh. people can find you if they're they want to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, check it uh, out.
1: Yeah, if you're in LA, I mean, the easiest place to buy, I think, my wine is probably like if you're. In Culver City, Hilo, uh, if you're in California, uh, or I think anywhere in the United States, really Primal Wine is really rad. They're online and you can buy a couple different producers at the same time. Um, and they have free shipping. I don't always have free shipping. Sometimes I have free shipping. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, actually though, you know what though? I don't know, I was just having another bottle yesterday, a uh, glass yesterday. I've sold out, but um, Lou's Wine Shop in silver lake primal wine has my hang 11 chardonnay uh, which i only made two barrels of last year and there's probably like just bottles left lying around you know situation and that wine is just one of those wines where i didn't make enough white wine i didn't make enough orange wine this (laughs) year and um just i you know i'm like down to like cases of my greco tufo and i'm down to you know like just what i planned on keeping actually less than what i planned on saving for myself, kind of as a library to like one day release, I, I overshot on my hang 11. Yeah. Chardonnay. Um, and uh, it's just so fun, crisp, clean. I, uh, you know, and actually, it's funny, because I got into a kind of a argument with the distributor, who said I wasn't natural <laughs> enough, because I arrested Mallow. And I was like, what, what you, do you do even know how to make wine? And, uh, and I was sitting there talking to this distributor. And I was blown away. And I was just like, wow, this person doesn't have a clue how wine works. I was like, look, sometimes natural mallow takes over. Sometimes natural mallow never occurs. Sometimes, like in my Reco Latufo, it never happened. I was going to sit there and wait in barrel for 30 years before I say, you know what? It's time to bottle it. The pH is so high or so low. I'm going to hit it with 30 parts of a million sulfur. Call it a day. That thing's never going through mallow. Maybe in 20 years in Boston, yeah. it, going to mallow you know, but at 301 pH, there's no way it's gonna go through. My Hang Eleven 32 pH, it went from 1.2 total grams mallet down to 0. 0.7. Tested it a month later. Tested it again, 0. 0.7 month later, 0. 0.7 month later, 0. 0.7. I was like, all right, that's it. That's all it wants to do. So hit it with 30 parts per million sulfur, which is yeah, tiny. Put it in bottle. Taste it. I've had a car that I have a bottle the other day that was rolling around the back of my van for weeks, getting beat up in the sun, put it in the fridge, chilled it, took a sip. Malice still hadn't took it off. (laughs) So I was like, but she's saying I arrested it. And I was like, what do you mean? I arrested it. It stopped like this. You can't tell nature what to do. Um, you know, so many, so many people who are on the other side of natural wines, And that's kind of one of my beefs is is just such a great misunderstanding for what natural wine is. Um, so I guess, you know, winemakers like me get really kind of frustrated because, you know, I do everything by Ben Natura's books with the exception of we have one wine that we machine pick and yeah. that's it. Um, and so, and it's just a, it's a labor thing. Like it's, it's not always safe to pick some of these vineyards, you know, like people don't think about it. Um, you know, it's crazy, man. There's rattlesnakes. There's all kinds of crap in vineyards, man. Picky yeah, it's true uh so there's the obsession with and like look i'm not a big fan of machine pickers i prefer hand pick because you get you, it's a lot less work for me believe it or not uh, because you're not sorting through crazy stuff like you know all kinds of tree or sorry you know canes i mean like i pulled like whole canes out of machine pick bins you're like what the hell um so uh yeah so i'm not a fan of it but you know sometimes it's better but you know in australia we actually i got to work with some fruit that was picked by an okay. optical picker yeah i, I don't know if you're i haven't you ever seen, seen it seen but i've heard of it i've seen them in action too actually it was funny i was driving down the 101 coming down and they had an optical picker going through that uh property right there off the 101 right before you get to los alamos and it just looks like a freaking spacecraft just running through a vineyard just like blue lights shining <laughs> and just i mean the but it's just so crazy you get these bins full of grapes and you just run your hands through them and it's just perfect grapes like no green grapes oh no, wow no small berries no big berries just does it pick a whole cluster
0: grapes. and then sort of single berry sort or? no
1: it's it sh- it, what it does is it brings it in it shakes all the berries off the vine okay. um so it's a, just a very vibrant right process. right um i'm surprised vineyard people like don't mind their vineyards being just like abused by it yeah it can't um, be- but then once it drops in there's like basically it goes onto a kind of like a sorting table in the machine and it blasts the berries and the mog out using an air, um, yeah. Using an air blade. So,
0: okay. Got it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I've seen optical sorters.
1: So yeah, it's cool. It's, it's crazy, but the quality of the fruit that comes off of them is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, consistent, right. It's got like, yeah. Consistent. Yeah. I've heard that as a complaint where it's like, you don't get the full spectrum of flavors, you know, you get that, more like a, a homogenous thing because it's, it, you know, you can only dial it into a specific, you know, slot of ripeness or whatever, versus when you, you know, when you're doing a whole cluster, you get the, you know, you get the whole range of everything um, that's in the vineyard. So you get that yeah. sort of diversity of ripenesses and flavor developments and things like that, which I'll add to the overall um, maybe, maybe adds a dimension, maybe doesn't, who knows? I mean, it might be a philosophical choice at that point. So, um, hollow wines is yeah. your hollowwines.com is your website. Um, yeah, any, anything you want to leave us with in terms of uh getting in touch? Can, can they find anything? Oh, can people get any grapes? I mean, grapes, get any wine of your wines through hollowwines.com? Yeah,
1: hollow wines. Yeah, we have uh, see what I've released. I think uh, I got go on my website here, I gotta see what's going on. It was actually down last week, stupid. Um, Let's see. We got the summer 2020 release. Yes, awesome. So we have my Cab Franc, uh, which is like kind of becoming my flagship wine. It's like my favorite, second favorite wine I make. Second, or third. <laughs> I don't know. I always have a new favorite every day. It's um, just phenomenal characteristics. This is Paynesas AVA. It's it's like Loire Cab Franc from California. I mean, how do you get better than that, yeah. right? Just tons of tannin and character and rich, great acidity. Um, so that's on there. That's the backdoor dreams, which is a surf term. People always think of it, their mind goes south and goes into the gutter and they start thinking <laughs> dirty things. Going backdoor on a barrel is when you go through the backside of a tube of a wave, and it's just like the ultimate feeling in surfing. So for me, it's kind of like my penultimate wine. It's like my penultimate wave. So that's why I named it that. Um, it actually just got great press. Uh, by the great Laura Ness wine writer, super awesome lady. She loves my wine. She actually just connected me with uh, the person who hosts the Cab Franc Festival and wants me to submit it for the contest. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm a contest guy, but yeah, know, we'll see what happens. Not? Yeah. Um, and then my Chardonnay is on there. The little brother or little sister, I should say, to the Orange Hang 11. And this was direct press into concrete and then fermented in concrete for 21 days, then racked into stainless steel. And uh, almost no mallow went through. For some reason, the skin contact went through mallow. The um, non-skin contact didn't go through. So just nice and crisp and, you know, good acidity. Um, And then we have my uh, big pinot and my little (laughs) pinot. (laughs) So I did a whole cluster of pinot with that same Pinot that I was telling you, it came in that really hot vineyard, which yeah. is really high uh, alcohol acidity. Um, So last year that one came in at 15.6. So I think wow. it would be about the same, it would be like 15.6. And then the lower block, which is cooler, didn't do whole cluster. Um, we did just regular, and that's uh, like a nice three four three five pH, just really clean Pinot, three thirteen that six alcohol. Lovely. So yeah, I mean, those are fun, and also just like the, the crowd-pleaser favorite uh, my guna of fortune wine um which is uh half it's all, it's got actually all five big bordeaux but it's predominantly Malbec and um petite wow. Um, yeah. That sounds Another fun. Wine. Yeah. Love that. Funky, rich, good good VA. Good, good VA. Good, VA. Okay. good balance. <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes good VA. You know, there's sometimes VA petite Bordeaux, I don't know if you've worked with it before. I don't think I'd worked with it again after last year, but that thing just wants Interesting. to Interesting. okay. And everybody I've talked to that's worked with Petit Verdot is just like you can't hide from VA on okay. Petit Verdot. You can try, but I might it's have just gonna worked come. with that
0: this year actually, but it, not unknowingly. <laughs> you, I wor- yeah, no Petit Verdot. Yeah, well, Petit, Verdot. Or Petit Verdot. VA, I worked just... with a grape that the the it was like a new owner of a vineyard saying it was Cabernet and and like five out of five winemakers are like this is not cabernet and it definitely had a va tendency uh, <laughs> smells nothing like cabernet tastes nothing like cabernet so i'm like well maybe it's maybe maybe based on what you said it's pv could be Is oh, it is yeah. is it
1: purple too yeah it's definitely it sounds like that's okay. sounds like petit verdot because cab yeah. is more blue oh, yeah, oh I don't interesting realize. cab cab franc are blue grapes merlot purple, Petit verdot a little more red in them are purple okay. yeah yeah it definitely has that vibe yeah.
0: okay good to know yeah mystery solved yeah, it sounds like Petit <laughs> and if it's
1: just yeah i think it is man it sounds like it yeah i mean dude the va i mean you just can't yeah. you just can't stop it man it just doesn't it doesn't want to stop just like you, everything you do like you know or just like keeping it cold keeping it warm you know it's like and last year was a tricky year we just everything came off so yeah. late um that um that, you know the, by the time we were, we were making wine alone book it was like 50 like literally removing things into the cold storage because it was the warmest place in the wine. Right. Like, that is like how crazy is that? Like my my freaking Chardonnay, people were like, did you cold crash this? And I'm like, nope, nope. It naturally cold wow. crash itself. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just so cold. It was like 45. Wow. Degrees,
0: you know, yeah, so. nuts. Cool. Well, Quinn, thanks so much for this. Great talking to you.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, great talking to you, man. For just ranting. I'm sure I learned. <laughs> it's
0: all good. I appreciate it.